Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Lots and lots of uh, text and WhatsApp coming into us. We'll uh, put it all together and I'll bring it to you in just a little while. But right now, it's time for this. Financial advice with FOH Financial Limited. Tried, trusted and experienced advice. See foh.ie. FOH Financial Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Well, Francis O'Hanlon from FOH joining me in studio. Francis, good morning to Hi, you. Hi, Fran. Certainly a lot of talk about finance and pensions and all sorts no, of stuff going on No, isn't it wonderful? Just wonderful indeed. I think we're going to start with a question, though, one that yeah. we, we held over. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I can make head or tail of this, but maybe you can. Do I have to pay tax on income from a rented house and I renting a house myself? Yeah, I think what this person is saying is they're renting out a house, but they're also renting a house themselves as their own home and they're basically saying in light of the fact that they're even though they're renting out a house and getting an income from it um they're assuming i i think that they don't have to right. uh, declare that tax as they're renting out a so house it might be themselves. negated in some way but, yeah uh, so i'm saying no you do have to uh file a tax return on that income and you know that's the short answer. Um, if you want a slightly longer one, and you have you know RTB, Tenancy Registration Board um, obligations, and all of the other obligations that go with being a landlord, so they just happen to be a tenant on their personal side and a landlord in on the other side. So um, yeah, but look, the thing to remember here is if they're paying interest on the property that they're renting out on a mortgage, um, they can offset 100% of that against rental income, plus maybe life cover, fire cover, certain, you know, maintenance costs. Um, After that, any residual that's left, then they're taxed at their own rate of tax. But they are obliged to do all of the above as if somebody, back to the magic 11 number, you know, if somebody has 11 properties or somebody has one property, they're obliged, they have obligations as a landlord. Right. I'm sure there's a very good reason for it, but you'd wonder why somebody would rent if they own a property. Yeah, it could be simply that... Um, Space or yeah, something. Well, it might be that the house is too big for them Yeah. and that they can get an income from that, that three-bedroom property where they're living in a one-bed apartment yeah. or something like that. Um, and it might be that they're at a point where they still maybe are in negative equity and, oh, there's many reasons. Um, and maybe just one thing to add, though I'm not promising this, um, from what we're hearing on Budget 23, which is due out tomorrow, um, there may be some relief for renters. Mm. So for tenants, that was there. I think there was a 1500 relief of old and then they removed it, I think around 2017 or 18. Now there's talks of something coming back 
Um, so, so, be, so watch the space is possibly, what you're, what yeah, you're for saying. that yeah. that particular individual, so it might help. Speaking of tomorrow, then um, budget 2023, mm. um, the, the expectation there that it will deal with our cost of living crisis and all. Yeah, that. I think in the main, can, can it possibly deal with all no, of it? Sure, it can't because yeah. it's a movable feast. You know, it, it, they can deal with it the best that they can because it's a snapshot in time. To be honest, even all the figures and the numbers that they've done are history, probably even if. They were signed and sealed as late as last night um, because it's literally moving. It's constantly, it's in a state of flux. Mm. And because of that, they can't nail it down. They couldn't possibly be expected but to. 10 billion, Francis. Mm. It's, it's eye-watering, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, from what I'm hearing, and again, who knows until the detail comes out tomorrow, they're talking about a 600 euros per person or per household credit um, for, for energy. energy. Yeah. Like, That's over a three month. Yeah. Again, or three, I, three sections. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, it's the most bizarre time at the moment and uh, like no real end in sight. Um, the expectation is that the energy crisis is probably going to go in deep into next year as well. Um, so I think, you know, here we are at this crossroads of the acceleration of alternatives, um, mm. wind energy and whatever it's, else. It's the last thing that people who are struggling want to hear. But for the sake of conversation, is there a danger in trying to buy yourself out of a situation? Yeah, of like course that? there is, because, I mean, the piper has to be paid at some stage. Um, and I think there, if if we look at our friends across the water that's the big concern about the budget that they came out came out with on Friday everyone saying mm. you know this is bananas well look at where stuff. sterling is now absolutely you know? plummeted yeah. this morning um so look it has to be paid back somehow some some day um so again but again it's a very the government they have to do something mm. to help people but i do think it needs to be targeted um, at people who really need it. Right, and that energy uh, subsidy you're talking about is for everybody, isn't it? Y- right yeah, again, board, yeah. We're, we're waiting on the detail, but yeah. it sounds like it is. Um, but again, let's not take away from the middle. Mm. You know, the people in the middle are struggling as well. Mm. Now they've rising mortgage interest rates as well. So, you know, the, it, I don't think there's anybody isn't touched by this in some way. So I suppose they're trying to direct it to everybody to give everybody something but there's other measures I think maybe what we'll do is have a look at that as it comes out tomorrow as it comes out, and yeah. look hopefully it'll give people some relief because some people are really really stressed really about this yeah. they really are it's interesting you mentioned mortgages there mm-hmm. what about tracker mortgage, mortgages yeah. at this point look again I just want people we've always said you are individual and we're not just saying that to butter you up or whatever mm. You are individual. Your financial circumstances are individual. So I'm hearing an awful lot of people shouting, you know, tracker surrender at the moment. Oh, you know, get rid of your tracker. Just be careful, is all I'm saying. You know, this was the much treasured Mm. and hugely envied. If you had one, you'd be saying, oh, well, I have a tracker. (laughs) Well, and I did hear people saying that, I'm lucky I have a tracker. And other people fit to scream um, who were maybe sitting opposite. And they were very controversial, remember. They cost the banks, well, cost everyone. We're going into millions and millions for the the controversy that was around Mm -hmm. them. So I know rates have gone up by 1.25% and I'm not taking away from that and they will go up further. Just be careful about what you're giving up because if you give up your tracker rate, it's gone. Mm. Okay? 
when inflation cools eventually, rates will come down again. So you have to look at your own individual situation and think. That's all I'm asking you to do. Because the last of the trackers was probably 2008. And even if you took the longest term at that point, you probably have around 21 years left in your mortgage at the moment. Right. I We were always asking people to make hay while the sun was shining on tracker rates. You know, anyone that had them had ridiculously low rates for well over a decade. So I would hope the majority of people made the most of that. But possibly some didn't because it might have been that they were in difficulty mm. financially. So I just think be careful. Look at your circumstances now. A tracker is a variable rate which allows you pay extra, you know, if you want to. Just be careful before you give it up. Right. Just think on. Um, so again, you're, you're talking about uh, independent advice on uh, this, aren't Look, you? I'm yes. forever saying that. And I again, know, people yeah. say, of course, yeah, she's going course to say that. But say I am it. saying it because, you know, everybody's circumstances are different. Like, for example, I had somebody the other day that we, they upgraded their house, they changed, they moved house, so they've part of their mortgage tracker and they've part of it fixed. So what we're doing is we're dealing with, um, we're leaving the tracker be, mm. okay, because it's a variable he would hope to be able to pay that down at a faster rate over time. So we're leaving that as is. But again, please don't, take that as uh, as a, a template that was very that was prescribed by me based on his circumstances and me looking at the bigger picture and down around the corner and over the hill and past the hair point bend you know yes. that it's down to individuals but just I'm just saying be careful because once you give it up it's gone if we're to look at what's happening in America though are we not looking at the possibility of interest rates over the next year, um, higher again. Here, yeah, absolutely. I to, do think to they fight will. inflation. In some I way. do think they will, but again, once they get inflation, this is if we're looking towards the European Central Bank and their mantra about inflation mm. and whatever it be. You would hope once they get inflation under control that there may be some reprieve then in that they're reducing the interest rate hikes. They're, they've increased them. Like when you consider interest rates were so low. For, zero pretty mm. much for so long they're increasing at the moment because of inflation yes so you would hope as that um threat recedes that they might decrease them mm. so again but i do think there's a bit of time to play i'm just saying to people be careful fran just a lot of people jumping you know a lot of people jumping of old to fix and we were saying all the way along hold 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 fix now Yes. You know, because an awful lot of people that fixed two years ago for five or ten years might be locked into, to, you know, fairly high, relatively high rates. And it might be that some of those people that fixed for two or three years are now coming out into the eye of the storm. So you just have to know it's, it's your a, own... It's a minefield, isn't yeah, it? It really is absolutely. a minefield. Will you tell? talk to me a little bit about the state pension because we're talking about the reform here mm. and it's an interesting one what's happening. I mean, it's going to stay at 65, but... Yeah, it's going to stay at 66. 66, I beg your pardon. Yeah, no but. problem. Yes. Um, so, but, you know, and again, we've, we've spoken about this on numerous occasions, yes. you know, where we were saying before, not kind of justifying what the government were thinking about at the time but we were saying we ca as a state we can't afford the state pension in its current format mm. um 
remember hearing a figure that PRSI rates would have to go to 27% to maintain the state pension as it was about four years ago. And then the government made moves where they were going to increase the retirement age to 68. And, you know, and I think even I myself said, you know, maybe look at a staggered um, approach where people can retire later if they want. Um, and now all of a sudden that's what we're getting but with increased PRSI. So again, the piper has to be paid. We're back to this again. So they're allowing people to retire anywhere after 66. And the the later, you de- the longer you defer that to, the higher that right. figure will be. But 70 but is a cutoff. 70 is a cutoff. Okay. But, you know, a few other things to consider. There's some good things in that they're now going to introduce a pension for carers. They're going to give some credit for carers. Um, and also, I think, an extended um, factor. I think they're going to allow 20 years now between carers and maybe being at home. Say somebody who was at home with young children and then all of a sudden they're looking after maybe elderly parents or a partner, whatever it be. They're going to extend what they'll allow for that. But interestingly enough, they're going to step away from... You know, excuse me, we spoke before about how they assessed the state pension, that they were looking at an averaging and they were also looking at having a maximum amount of stamp. They're they're gradually from 2024 going to step away from the averaging and it's going to be all about the stamp. Right. In other words, for you to get the full state pension, be it that you go with 66 or 70, you will have to have 40 years. Okay, now that's going to phase in from 2024. So anyone that has less than that won't get the full state pension. They'll be giving them a little less. Again, hear what I'm saying? This is coming in from 2024. And and just what you referred to previously, Mm. which is the people who wouldn't have had the stamp for those years that you were talking about. I mean, how will they fare with this? Again, devil's in the detail. Fran, you know, that's everybody was shouting, saying they wanted this and they yeah. wanted people to stay at 66. Again, there's a price for this. And the price is going to be the most obvious one that I saw that we can grab onto at the moment is that PRSI rates are going to go up. I think they were saying for somebody earning 50,000 is going to be maybe up around 1,200 euros a year PRSI. That's substantial. Here we are talking about interest rate hikes and, you know, yeah cost of living crisis and then all of a sudden we're talking about PRSI hikes that maybe would take another 1,200 euros a year um, off you. So there'll be a price for this. But I, I think there's a few other things that need to be considered. Um, one, interestingly, they're going to they're talking about introducing a stamp statement. That's maybe what, not what it's a going to be called. Statement. So every year they'll be reminding you what stamp level you have. So that very much tells me that this is going to be about the 40 years so that you can say, oh, I'm only in line to have 32 years stamps. I'm going to have to continue you know, working maybe a little bit longer. At the moment, you don't pay PRSI from 66 on, right? But I know you're going to pay PRSI, I expect, based on what I've read, in that they're saying it will give people the chance that don't have the 40 years at 66 to work on and then increase their stamp. So that to me says the I expect. Now please <laughs> don't don't hold me to this. I expect reading between the lines, PRSI is going to be introduced from age sixty six wow. on. 
Wow. Because how could you increase your, your rate otherwise? I suppose. You posed the question yourself as well, if you defer and you die before you reach the deferred age. Yes, you're not going to get it. So, I mean, if you consider um, people who get the state pension at the moment, it might be, say there was a partner that was maybe 61 or 62. At the moment, say their partner's in receipt of the, the state pension, then they get... Um, technically what was is a widow's pension mm. up to the point where they reach retirement age and then it becomes just the one payment okay they don't get their state pension and the widow's pension so i just think people again like the tracker mm. i think people will need to seek advice in so, relation so, to this okay let me put you on the spot mm. then i mean would you defer i, mean, I don't mean you personally but i mean would your advice be to defer or not defer? again depending on somebody's circumstances, I would say somebody need to be careful. So say, let me put it this way, say somebody has a personal pension, Mm. right? Now, anyone in an occupational pension probably won't have the luxury of deferring. Mm. Oh, I don't need that at 65. There's possible ways, but let's not get into that at the moment. But say somebody has a personal pension and they've 50,000 in it and they get to 66. If they defer their state pension right, to 70 and they die, they're not going to get, you know, the state pension, their state pension entitlement, I would say, would be gone, okay? Right. But if they deferred accessing their personal pension, which they can do, some up to 70, even 75, and if they take the state pension at 66 and then they die, at least the personal pension is there for their next of kin or for their estate. So again, one size doesn't fit all. If it doesn't, if one size doesn't fit all in general terms, it definitely doesn't. It's bespoke tailoring when it comes to pensions. That brings up an interesting question, though. I mean, if you had a private pension and you decided to take your state pension and let the private pension sort of trundle on and make money, do you do you have a tax obligation on that if no, you just no, leave it aside? No. Remember, there's no tax <clears throat> obligation as a pension is accumulating. Okay. Um, or indeed, even if it's after pension age? Yeah, even oh. even after retirement, if it's in an ARF, an approved retirement fund or whatever, it's only the income that comes off it Yes, that is taxable. And that's only when you take it down? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, if you have a personal pension that's worth 100000 at at 66 and you take 25% of it and you have a residual balance of 75000 you must take 4% per annum, okay? That 4% per annum is taxable. But the 75000 that's in the ARF still grows tax-free. If you don't access the pension, some people, you don't have to access the pension at 66. Personal, now again, mm. please be careful here. I'm not, you know, I don't want people running in the doors of their occupational pension scheme mm. saying, I don't have to take that. But again, you can let leave a pension sometimes intact as long as 75 Mm. where you don't have to access it. Therefore, you're not drawing an income off it and it's continuing to grow tax-free. But 75, regardless, is a cut-off or else the government will step in and take 40%. Oh, that came in in the finance bill about three or four years oh, ago. So, Oh, Lord. <laughs> all, all right. It is pension season, of course. Yeah. And before we go on with that, I was just reading in the paper today, uh, two... Uh, two companies coming into the market now. I think it is a Vanguard and uh, Royal London yeah. uh, coming Isn't in. Isn't that great? Is, is that great? Well, well look, I mean, any, any competition is great. I mean, we're saying, oh, my God, KBC and the Ulster Bank are, are leaving. 
less competition. Yes. You know, probably two main banks, we'll say three main banks left in the, in the, in the Irish state, a few other peripheral providers. I mean, lack of competition, lack of choice. This is about, this is two new entrants coming into the Irish market, happy days, right. that are going to give more choice. And, and at this particular time, Francis, when, I mean, pensions must be really struggling, are they? Because, I mean, look around the world at what's happening with... A fun, like, I mean, again, back to it, we've always said funds, Long-term, there's always yeah. going to be, vol- yeah. <coughs> excuse me, volatility in funds, in markets. What it is about is you knowing your timeline and your attitude yes. to risk. So if somebody can come in and provide a pension at a lower level um, and give you the returns, uh, sorry, at a lower level of cost, be it management fee or the amount that's being paid in, happy days. And and it just shows that obviously the Irish market is seen as competitive uh, and it's seen as a place to be when it comes to pensions. Uh, ironically, not seen a place to be from a banking point of view because we have had no new entrants. It's interesting indeed. What do we need to keep in mind with this pension season then, for instance? Okay, so look, dates, dates, dates. Um, mm. But uh, I suppose 31st of October, if you're going to make a personal uh, pension contribution, be that personal or an AVC, which is somebody that's in a group pension, you have to do that by the 31st of October and make sure that you let the revenue know that you've done that. Um, if you complete an online return for the self-employed, basically, um, if you're making an online ter- return via Ross, then you've got to the 16th of November. But please remember, um, that's kind of, that's the last, of the last, last day. You know, don't leave it that long. Um, if you're going to make a contribution, if you're making it by electronic fund transfer, for, I would say allow five working days for the company to receive it. And if it's a thing you're making it by check, you know, make your contribution well before the 16th or well before the 31st, if you can, just to, to know that it's in there, that it's been received. Because sometimes stuff happens, especially course, when you're sending yes. payments on. You, you're also making an interesting point, and I know that people are struggling out there, but I mean, you have to question could you live on the state pension? No, I mean, let, let's just look at the figure at the moment of 25330. Yeah. You know, okay, there might be some fuel allowance or whatever it be. It is really, really hard for somebody to manage. If it's a thing that there's two retired in the household, then okay, it's a little bit easier, possibly. Not, you know, still not fantastic by any means. But where I see the problem is sometimes if if one spouse um, passes away, then the remaining spouse is just left with one state pension. Yes, two And and possibly a living alone allowance, but it's really, really hard to manage on that kind of money because normally they don't have the luxury of saying, oh, well... Uh, you know what, I think I'm going to work some overtime or I think, you know mm. what, I think I might go abroad for mm. a year and work. Mm. It's a different stage of life. So it's hard um, for people to manage on that. So I'd say, you know, if you can make pension contributions whilst you're working, do right. it. You're going to be forced to do so, by the way, from January 24, auto enrolments on the way. So that now with a combination of what they're doing on the state pension be you interesting. Know. And just remind people again about that benefit of taking out the pension and what, what you can actually say. So look, if you're a high rate taxpayer, so that's, that's, let's say that you're paying 40% on most of your income, um, basically for every euro you put in, you're getting 40 cent back 
off the revenue. I mean, what's not to like? Mm. And if you're lower rate? If you're low rate, then it's 20 cent. Obviously, you're paying 20% and you're getting 20 cent back. So the, the auto enrollment to be slightly different, but it's not here at the moment. For now, you know, that's... Right, that's and we a don't good know deal. the full detail That's a great return that. on your savings, no matter okay. what you invest in. Very good. I'm not sure how many of your listeners this will be relevant to, but do you want to talk to us about the executive pension? Because oh, yeah. there's a bit of an issue there, isn't Yeah, there, there is. And, and again, you know, there's always something, isn't there? Um, but again, I'm only going to mention this briefly for two reasons. One, in the main, it really only affects certain employees and companies or directors, right, who want to set up one person executive pensions right uh, and you know we've also always mentioned that directors have more scope mm. and basically the life company all I can liken this to is the life companies are looking for a vaccine at the moment and that's the only way I can describe it because basically there was legislation um, an EU directive that the, the life companies misinterpreted and that's the only way that's the only explanation and Basically, the rules changed, but the way they were interpreting interpreting them, mm. the pensions authority didn't agree. Okay, so how the did they get it so wrong? I don't know. <laughs> Let's wait and see. Yeah. They would. They had. They were all of the one mindset. Mm. Um, but the pensions authority had a whole different mindset. So basically, they kind of stepped in and said, "You know, you're not issuing any more executive pension contracts until." This is sorted. That was right. from July. And the ones that were issued? Yeah, that's okay. okay. I'm going to say okay within reason. Okay. Yeah. I would say up to, I think it's April 21, they were absolutely okay. Maybe a little bit of grey area from April 21. There needs to be a bit of housekeeping done around those. But since then, there's no new executive pension contracts being issued. It leaves a few people in limbo, especially company directors that maybe didn't have an executive pension set up. So they're going to have to find a solution. They are scrambling around to do that at the moment. There's been talk of master trusts around the new auto enrolment that are coming in, and that possibly might be one of the solutions. So, again, you know, watch this space. Um, the, the bog... That is pensions. <laughs> <laughs> Francis, it's always good to talk to you. If people want your advice, Francis, how, how can they make Well, they can go onto our you? website, www.foh.ie, or they can contact the office, 052 All right, well, always good to talk to you, Francis. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, we'll take a break. We're back with more. The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie